But I am Scott, I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I'm in recovery from sex addiction and compulsive overeating. Hey, glad you guys are here tonight. I'm super excited about chip night. Um, We took a look at our budget, and we said, hey, we got some funds, let's get some grub, and we're going to have some seriously good grub. That's all I can tell you. I was thinking lobster that night, but I don't know, Um, we probably won't go lobster. But we'll have some serious good grub that night, and uh, we'll do some ice cream or something for dessert, and it'll be a great night. Uh, but like Josh said, this is a time that you invite your family. Amen. It's a time you invite your friends. It's the time that you invite others, uh, even if they, uh, you know they need recovery, but they don't know that they need recovery. Invite them to come celebrate your victories um, so they can have a little taste about, uh, with uh, Celebrate Recovery. And those last two songs that we sang... That's what our night of worship is going to be like. Uh, So I'm old, so I say it's off the hook, but um, the younger people probably say something different. Mary, you can correct me. No? Um, She's like, Dad, don't embarrass me. Um, I know. It happens. It happens. Exactly. Hey, um, but I want to start off with this passage of Scripture because we're going to dive into it tonight, but Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. And it says this, why do you seek, or why do you see this, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Man, when I'm out running amok, Guess what? I see everybody's problem. I'm doing their inventory for them, and it is long and lengthy. And this is what this is about. We're not supposed to do other people's inventory, right? We are supposed to work on ourselves and deal with our own issues and our own hurts and our own sin and the pain we've caused other people. That's what we're supposed to do. That's the point of the fourth step. And I know we've gone through a couple different things as we talk about the fourth step, but this is why we do this. You know, it's to search me. Search me. What is that log in my own eye? What is that log? What are the things? And I don't know what that is, only you do. You know the hurt and pain. You know the things you've done in secret. You know the stuff that has happened to you that I don't know. And so we call out and say, search me. King David says that in uh, Psalm uh, 139. He says this, he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Even King David had anxieties. He had issues. Hello, he had an affair and killed a guy. That's just the the small part. He also had multiple wives at the same time, right? It's crazy stuff that King David was doing. And he needed God to search him. And so we call out to God, search me and know me during this. If you're doing the fourth step and you're on your own power, you're doing it wrong. Take a step back. And we've already kind of gone through this a couple lessons ago. Take that step back, sit down, Pray and ask God to walk you through this step. Ask God to be the one to guide you. Ask God to be the one that helps lead you in this journey. And he will guide you because the question I always get is, well, what do I write down? 
And here's the thing, I tell them everything. Like, no, seriously, Scott, what do I write down? No, everything. If you remember it, write it down. I give my guys a, a thousand memory um, thing. And so all the guys I sponsor, they got to write down a thousand memories. And they all hate me. They're like, seriously? I'm like, if you remember it, write it. They're like, what are you talking about? Like, I can't remember that much. Well, you will. You will. And uh, it's a good time. It's a good time. They go through photo albums. They remember stories that they would not have remembered. And it was a good time. Well, here's the thing. We're looking at how we do an inventory. And we can do this inventory. And, and the area we're in is we've got four categories tonight we're going to talk about. The first category is your mind. That is a dangerous place that nobody wants to be in your mind. And I know you don't want to be in mine. It is one sick place. Uh, believe me. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this. It says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and, perf and perfect will of God. That we are not to conform to the world, but we are to transform our mind. And we do this through the recovery process. We do this through these steps by transforming it through the word of God, through scripture. Well, in this category of your mind, I'm gonna ask you a few questions. Don't answer them out loud. Don't whisper them to your neighbor, but you may, if you have a, a notepad or something, write it down. But have you, uh, have you guarded your mind? How have you guarded your mind in the past? How have you guarded your mind in the past? That's a tough one. Sometimes we, we uh, even guard our mind with denial. There's been such a hurt or pain that we haven't been given that coping skill. And so we use something maybe even unhealthy to cope with that issue. We've maybe used those types of things. You know, and how have you guarded it? It's either positive or negative. What are the things that you've done to guard your mind? You know, there's a scripture of take every thought captive. Have you done that? Have you been able to do those things? I know I have a hard time doing that. But how do we do that? Second question is this. Have you filled your mind with hurtful and unhealthy movies, internet sites, television programs, magazines, and books? I'm out. Like, I'm done. Like, that question was written just for me. Holy cow. Like, that is some serious trouble right there. And I don't know if you remember this movie. I'm a, a Keanu Reeves guy ever since he played Bill Ted's Excellent Adventure, right? But Johnny Mnemonic, did you ever see that movie, Johnny Mnemonic? And basically he had a brain and he was like a carrier of information and somebody comes and they upload, they stick this big thing in his head, just like the Matrix, and they put this thing in his head and they upload all this information. It was so much information though, it started to leak and started to kill his body. And the whole, t the whole movie is trying to race to get to a location so he can download and get the, the information out of his head. And that's what so much of us have done. We've uploaded so much crud into our mind that it is seeping out and beginning to kill us. The pornography we've watched, the movies that we've watched, the music we've listened to. Now believe me, I love a good Metallica song. Yes, I love... A good Sir Mix-a-Lot song. I know, don't, don't hold it against me. Don't hold it, don't hold it against me, right? Um, I like, yeah, you know, you know how that goes. Um, 
so, but those are the things, right? What are the things that we've put into our bodies, into our minds that have caused pain and destroyed the way that we think? Great question, Scott. Thanks. Here's the thing. I'm that guy and my wife knows it and I've got children that are like it, but I'm a guy like, you tell me I can't do something. How close can I possibly get without actually doing it? But then at that point, usually it's too late and I do it anyhow. And that's gotten me in trouble so many times and caused so many relapses. Maybe you can testify to that. But sometimes we just want to numb that pain. We're just looking for distractions. We're looking for any way to distract our mind from the real hurts and pains in our life. And so we numb it through our addictions. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 14 says this, a wise person is hungry for truth while a fool feeds on trash. Well, that sounds like me. I fed on trash for a number of years. Another question is this, have you failed to concentrate on the positive truths of the Bible? Are you focusing on the negatives? Are you focusing on the fact that the Lord opened up the earth and swallowed like a whole city? Are you focused on all the negative things of scripture? Are you focused on the fact that Jesus came and he put his hands on a leper and the leper was healed? What are the things that you're focused on? What are the things that you put in your mind? Listen to God. These are general guidelines for spiritual practices. Here's the deal. Any practice is better than no practice. Technology is really awesome right now, sometimes. And we have this thing for football, because I'm a football coach, called Huddle. And basically all our game film, all our playbooks, all that kind of stuff is all on there. When I was in high school, it was a binder and a VHS tape. <laughs> right? But now it's on a computer and we can do that and our whole team is listed and they can all go online and they can go see it. But they don't know. Coaches can know how long they've been on there to see it. Yeah. Oh, you were on there for 30 seconds? Awesome. What in the world? Or hey, we have guys that are on there for hours because they're wanting to get better. A little bit of practice is better than no practice. Those guys that are spending a little bit of time is better than nothing. Develop a daily practice. Develop a daily practice. I used this this last weekend, but I brush my teeth every single day. I hope you do, right? And I hope your neighbor, and, and your neighbor hopes you do too also, right? Here's the thing is you brush your teeth every day. You do personal hygiene every day. You eat every day. You do these things every day. Read your Bible every day. Pray every day. Learn to do that kind of stuff. Don't overdo it. Easy does it. Don't be like, I've never read the Bible before in my life. I'm reading through the Bible this month. <laughs> my guess is you'll make it a day, if that. You know, and I'm not saying you shouldn't read through the Bible. That's not what I'm saying, but easy does it. Ease into it. Ease into it. But I know you're all addicts, and so I know you always go to the limits. And so, but easy does it, right? Watch out for your inner critic. Watch out for that inner critic and don't sit on the pity pot. Don't get caught listening to the guy inside your head saying that you're worthless, saying that you're horrible, you're not good enough. Listen to the truth of scripture 
where Jesus tells us that we're worthy. So worthy that he died on the cross for our sins. So worthy that he formed us in our mother's womb. That's how worthy we are. Don't get caught listening to that inner critic. I tell this to uh, people that come in my office, usually teenagers or parents or um, people that are struggling with uh, sex addiction. This is what you can do. Can do, right? Another acronym because it's celebrate recovery. Can do. C, you can close your eyes. An image pops in your head, something happens, something's in front of you, close your eyes. Get rid of that image right away. Close the computer, do whatever you gotta do, right? Always tell somebody. The A is always tell somebody. Call your accountability partner, call your sponsor. Tell somebody, always tell somebody. Takes the secret and the power out of the secret. Not only that, but name it. Name it, call it for what it is. This is a sin, this is my addiction, this is a bad image, this is whatever it is, right? Name it. D is distract yourself, right? All of us are addicts, so there's probably a push-up or two we can do or a crunch we can do or get up and go for a walk or we can vacuum the house. I won't do that, but we could. We could wash dishes. We could do things like that. We can do something to distract ourselves. I've tried reading before, but my mind always goes back to bad things, and so reading doesn't work for me. Maybe it, it may be numbing out and playing a video game as long as you're not an addict to video games, right? Taking a, a specific time, I'm gonna play video games for 10 minutes, whatever. But don't go online and play Fortnite because then that's an hour later. Um, or Call of Duty, whatever one is, is floats your boat. So close your eyes, always tell somebody, name it, distract yourself. And the O is this, order your thinking brain to work. See, the problem is, is the middle part of our brain is where all those feelings and emotions are. And it's the exact middle part of our brain. And that's where all the addiction starts to happen. That's where the neurosynapses start to fire. And so we have to force our frontal cortex, our frontal lobe to start working. These are the brakes of the brain. I love driving. I love driving fast, but I still have brakes in my car because I know there's times I need to stop. We need to stop. My car's actually in the shop right now getting the brakes worked on. <laughs> but um, that's what we need to do is we need to use our frontal part of our brain and stop those things. That means to order it to work. Hey, here's the consequences. With the sex addicts that go through my Facing the Shadows class, they write a consequence letter, a letter from themselves to themselves. So when they're right about to relapse, they can pull that out and they can read it to themselves. Some of them have notes from their wives to remind them of what they could lose. You may need to do that. That'll help your thinking brain start to work and realize what you're gonna lose. The next category is your body. Your body, man, we gotta move quick here. The, your body. Proper care will last a lifetime. Your body will last a lifetime if you take proper care of it, believe it or not. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says this, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. In what ways have you mistreated your body? Shoving the needle in your arm? Popping those pills? The anorexic who has control over the food that they put into their body, yet their life is out of control all the way around them? The sex addict who's out there sleeping with workers 
or sleeping at, um, with others that aren't their spouse, unprotected, what, how are they mistreating their body? No, I'm not gonna do that illustration. What activities or habits caused harm to your physical health? I mean, there's probably one of the best lies we've ever bought into as a country. My body, my choice. Well, it's my body, my choice. I can, I can shove this drug into my body. My body, my choice. I can drink as much alcohol and I can drive. My body, my choice. I can sleep with whoever I want. Who cares if I'm married? I tried the my body, my choice when it came to COVID masks and nobody really uh, listened to me. <laughs> but here's the problem. When we're caught in our addiction, man, we are enslaved to desire. You guys have all felt that, that pull, that draw. Psalm 139 verse 13 says this, you have formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works that, you, that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. Do you realize what anxiety and stress actually does to your body? High blood pressure. I got a cyst on the back of my neck and I'm just waiting for it to pop. I can't wait. I want to do it. But here's the thing. I think that's from stress. What in the world? It may not be. My nurse buddy's probably going, dude, you're an idiot, Scott. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but that's okay. I still think it's stress related. I'm a hypochondriac. If you're struggling with anxiety and stress, go back to the church's service this last Saturday or Sunday and listen to the message. The preacher was awesome. Um, what about that idea of binge purge? And I'm not talking just about the food addict. I'm talking about all of us in our lives, how we binge on our addictions and then we purge it out and we go through DTs and then we binge on it again and then we purge it out and we go through DTs. Crazy. What about your family? Joshua 24 verse 15 says this. And, it, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served, which are on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Great verse, great verse. Have you mistreated anyone in your family? How? Who? Oh. I know I have. I know I have. I've yelled, I've screamed, I've been unavailable for them. Hey, dad, come out and play wiffle ball. Uh, nope, this couch is too important to me. I'm trying to hold it down to the ground and not let it float up to the ceiling. <laughs> Manipulate my family to do what I want them to do. I'm wanting to be left alone. They come and talk to me, so I rage so that they do leave me alone. Use my anger as a counterbalance to get them away from me. Or I over-control them. No one in here over controls. I'm glad. That's awesome. Uh, my addiction of sex addiction and pornography has tainted and affected my intimacy with my wife, my view of my wife, because now 
I have this view as women, as objects, rather than as people. In the world, they joke about it as like a car, right? No, women are way different. Way different. They're people. It's affected my intimacy with my wife. What about creating a safe place? Have you created a safe place for your family? I mean, safe so that they can come and talk to you or do you fly off the handle? Do you overreact? Have you created a safe place that, they can, that you can listen to them? I'd love to say yes to that, but I probably know the answer is no. Not all the time. Against whom in your family do you have a resentment? Expectations breed future resentments. To whom do you owe an amends to? Which is saying, what's your part? Even if they don't ever acknowledge their part, are you able to admit what your part is? What is the family secret that you have been denying? See, growing up, I thought my family secret was my mom's depression and her weight. I realized probably in my second step study, that that was not my family secret. Our family secret was my sex addiction. That was rough. I heard a snort. That was awesome. (laughs) I realized that what my family tried to protect was me, even to the point that literally until the last year of my mom's life, she hated the fact that I got up on a stage like this and said I was a sex addiction. We don't talk about those things. No one needs to know. I was the family secret. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 1 John 1, 7. Holy cow, if only when we start to get tempted can we actually confess those things and tell them or after we do use or we do sin and we tell our accountability partners and our sponsors how that frees us from the guilt and shame and allows us to start to walk in the light is huge. It's huge. What about your church? What about your church? You're like, what about my church? I know, right? Hebrews 10, uh, 25 says this, not forsaking the assembling of others uh, together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. That we wouldn't forsake the gathering together of the saints, that we would not forsake the church, but that we would come together, not so that we can be fed, but so we can exhort others and lift them up. Yes, there's a part of it where we get ministered to through singing and there's a part of it that we get ministered to through the the message, but how are we doing as exhorting others when we go to church? Or do we walk in, sit down, and walk out when it's over? Mm. How you, um, have you been faithful to your church in the past? Some of you, are a church food addict. In other words, you treat the churches as a smorgasbord. You're gonna go to one church one week, another church another, and you're gonna just get your fill of all different kinds of churches all the time. I get it. I understand. But are you committed to a church? Are you faithful to a church? 
Growing up, I wasn't. We had a few different churches that we would go to. In high school, I finally started attending Big Valley. And I've been faithful to this church. I came to this church when Rick was the youth pastor. That's how long ago it was. And uh, we had a lot of hiccups along the way. A few different senior pastors and um, been able to be faithful to it. Some of us have had a conflict at our old church and so we run to the next. We have a conflict. We don't like that. We had a run-in with a pastor. We had a run-in with uh, another member. So, poop, gone. We're out. I'm going somewhere else. Maybe addiction is creeping in your life and so you hide and therefore you disappear from the church so you can go to another church where nobody really knows you. Some of you guys like, treat it like a bank. You just go in, get your deposit, get your uh, cash back, and you run. Right? You just want that money, and then you go. You just want that message, and then you go. Let me encourage you with churches that you find a church you can be committed to, and you're committed to it. And I don't know what reason you may go somewhere else, but are you part of the problem? Are you part of the solution? If things are a little wacky, Get involved to make it better. Help it out. Have you been critical instead of active? Have you been critical of the pastor? Go home, have your Sunday lunch, and you just critique him? Or are you positive, encouraging? I preached this last weekend, and man, I got a lot of text messages. I got a lot of emails. I got a lot of people that stopped me and told me and gave me some really encouraging words. And that was super awesome. It was super, super cool. Are you one of those or are you one that just sends in the, the emails with the problems? In the shadows of the cross, uh, part of the book study I go through, um, there's a couple questions that I wanna read. This is regarding church. Do you believe in your heart that God is available to you right now? Or do you, in the back of your mind, doubt that he really hears what and you're crying out for help? Or do you truly believe that he is available right now whenever you call upon him? Do you believe that God is actually responsive to you? That he will actually respond to you? That he can actually give you an answer? That it's not just something that hits the ceiling and bounces back and hits you in the face. That God is actually responsive to your requests. Do you believe that God is engaged with you in your recovery? Or do you still feel that you're all on your own? Do you actually believe God is a partner with you in this journey? Do you believe that God has abandoned you or that he will abandon you? Some of us have felt abandoned by God before. Where were you when this happened? Where were you when this happened. And so therefore it carries over to your recovery. Do you worry that you might not be good enough to be loved by God? Yeah, Jesus, you tell me that you died on the cross for everybody to go to heaven. But did you die for me? We have that doubt. I'm here to tell you, yes. Yes. Jesus is available for you. Jesus is responsive to you. 
He is engaged in your recovery. He will not abandon you. And you are good enough to be loved by God and by other people. When you go through this journey, I encourage you to do it with other people. It's not meant to go alone. It can be a very dark place. And so make sure you have a sponsor that can help you keep it balanced. That's why I have them write down a thousand memories because they're going to write down good memories and they're going to write down bad memories. They're going to remember the Disneyland trip and they're going to remember the other things like that, but they're also going to remember the times that dad hit them. There's going to be good things, there's going to be bad things. Keep it balanced. Otherwise, it can be a very dark, dark road. You need a little light on it. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the path everlasting. Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word, your truth. Thank you for the fact that uh, we're not in this alone. You are there to help us. So Lord, as we take a look at these aspects of our life, we look at our bodies, our minds, our families, our church, that you would guide us, you would direct us in this journey. Lord, uh, pour your favor out upon us as we go into our open share groups. It'll be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you guys please stand? We'll close our time with the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as the pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that you will make all things right if I can surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Amen.